I would like to start today with a song. Another song, maybe I should say. The Lord is in his home. Why do we sing that song? When I was growing up, we sang that song to get everybody quiet. You know, to kind of calm things down. Okay, we got too much talking going on. It's time for worship. Let's sing, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let everyone keep silent. But if you look at the passage of scriptures, First one, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne, Psalm 11 and verse 4. If you read the 11th Psalm, you'll find that it's basically a psalm of praise. And it's saying, you know what? God's in control. You need to trust him. And so that's what that means. Then it's in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. If you read that passage... God is hacked off. He is mad. And he's saying, you know what? In fact, the context of this is punishment. He says to Judah, woe to them who says to wood, come to life. And in essence, what he's saying is, you guys are really messing up. And so you need to be quiet. Well, that's totally different than what we sing, isn't it? Yeah, we sing the words, but it's not really what the Bible is talking about there. The temple in the Bible is mostly a physical place. It's a place where people came to worship. And, and, and even today, there are many places, many houses of worship called the Temple of, and you know, you can almost, uh, to me, one of the funny things about I shouldn't say that, but one of the interesting things that I love to do is to see the name of churches, you know. Uh, I, I won't get into that too much. But the glory of the Lord would show up in the temple. And I've always wondered what that looked like. The glory of the Lord would show up. I mean, was it shining? Was it thunder? Was it... Uh, all of the above, I don't know. But the glory of the Lord came to Mount Sinai when Moses was uh, leading the children of Israel. Cloud came down on the mountain. The Bible says the glory of the Lord came on the mountain. And it showed up in the cloudy pillar that led the Israelites by day. And in Exodus chapter 40, it says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had set it on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
So what do we make of this temple thing? What do these passages mean? Well, I, don't, I, I want us to talk a little bit about that today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own, and you were bought at a price, and therefore honor God with your body? The Gonzalez family read that. It was just... It was so good to to see it in, in even in two languages. But in the context of this, you take last week's passage that was read by the bombs and this week's passage, and it's really in the context of sexual sin. It's it's one of those kind of things that says you, you need to flee sexual immorality. You need to quit doing these kind of stuff. But I believe there's even more to this. Yes, we are to to flee sexual immorality. But I think there's more. In the summer before uh, I went to graduate school, Martha and I uh, rented our house. The only problem with that was we rented the house and we still had, what, two months? Two months that we had to find a place to live in Searcy before we went off graduate school so one night some friends of ours were over at the house and and we were mentioning the dilemma and Warren kind of looked at his wife and said well you can you can live in our house he said we're gonna be gone to Hawaii for three weeks and then you know we spent a lot of time at the at Suzanne's family's uh, cabin up in Missouri why don't you just move into our house. Now, we had two kids. Uh, Meredith was just a little girl. Nate was a baby. I mean, he was in a crib kind of thing. And so we did that. And, and Warren and Suzanne said, we'll be coming through every once in a while. There were two families in that house that was only intended for one family. Oh, it was, it was fine when Warren and Suzanne weren't there. It wasn't fine, but it was okay. I, you know, living in somebody, uh, somebody else's house and uh, that kind of stuff with, you know, you, your stuff is in storage and it's not easy. And then they would come in and we wouldn't sleep in their bedroom. And so we took up every single bedroom in the place we put Nate in a, in, in one of these pack-and-play things. The kitchen was small. We literally walked all over each other. It was just crowded. They had two kids. We had two kids. It was just fun and games. There wasn't room for us. Remember the passage in Exodus where God's glory came down and dwelled in the temple? It said Moses couldn't enter it because the glory of the Lord was there. The Corinthian letter tells us that we are, our bodies, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are where the Holy Spirit dwells. And if there's anything else in there, if there is... If there's sexual sin, if there's uh, any kind of sin, the, the covetousness, 
or lying or stealing or cheating or whatever in our hearts, there's no more room. And so what, what God is saying in this passage, what, what Paul says in the, the, the Corinthian passage, is that there has to be room for, for God to live. There can't be two people in a single dwelling. We fill our lives with worry and money and concerns and all other kinds of sins. But if we're truly the Holy Spirit's home, then we have to get rid of those things. There has to be room. But number two, we need to shine. Number one was 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. This is number two. And as I've already said, I've often wondered what the glory of the Lord looked like. And when Moses conversed with God, you remember this? When Moses conversed with God and he came down from the mountain, the children of Israel said to him, you need to put a veil on your face because you're too bright. Remember when God told him to stand in the cleft of the rock? Why? Because his physical body couldn't take seeing God. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the three apostles that were there saw Jesus and his face was shining. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and there he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. His face shone like the sun. When Stephen was standing before the Sanhedrin, I, 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 I couldn't find this for the longest time. I was looking around, I was looking at the end of this passage where they stoned him to death, and I thought, okay, that's where it is. But it wasn't there, it was at the very first. When Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin, they said he had the look of an angel. There was something about his countenance. It says all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked at Stephen. And they saw his face was like the face of an angel. There's something about those who truly follow Jesus. I'm not saying that if you follow Jesus, your face is going to glow. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there's something about those who decide that they're going to let the Holy Spirit fill them. And it makes sense now when we read passages like Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 where he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's us. That's a Christian. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give light. I, I was thinking about this this week. 
I thought, when people think of you, do they have good memories? Or do they say, I'm glad I'm not around that one anymore. You see, when we light, when we shine like light, those are good things. But number three, you ever heard this before? It's my life. When we try to correct someone, what are you trying to do? It's my life and I can do whatever I want. You may have even heard that from your kids. Or trying to help somebody along the way. Don't leave me alone. It's my life. But it's really not. Oh, you can give it away. You can give it to Satan and let him guide and direct your life. And even though you may say it's my life, really isn't. Look at Paul. Paul was led by evil. Although he thought he was doing right, although the things that he thought he was doing were what God wanted him to do, but look what he said about his life in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. If you want another term, I've been killed with him. I've been put to death with Jesus Christ. And he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see what he said? He said, Jesus, the Son of God, loved me and gave his life for me. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That's not it. That's from last week. Well, let's just skip that and go to the notes. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. I know what that price was. Then it says, oh, can we go with that slide before? No, that's the one. Good, good, good. Yeah. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. And also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, as the chief cornerstone and in him I can do that the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit When that happens, then the Lord truly is in his holy temple. 